0: This is Aspire, Arch Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to socially conscious and forward-thinking leaders within the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship. My name is Holly Camisa, Associate Director of Communications for Art Street Press, and I'll be your host today. Today our guest is Dr. David Fagenbaum, executive director and co-founder of the Castleman Disease Collaborative Network, whose mission is to accelerate research, treatment, and patient care through global collaboration, strategic investments in research, and support for patients and their loved ones. Castleman disease is a rare disorder involving proliferation of cells in the body's lymphatic or immune system. David and CDCN have taken an innovative approach to overcome many hurdles in the field of Castleman disease. David Fagenbaum has been battling in Castleman disease since 2010. He received a BS in human sciences with distinction from Georgetown University. As an undergraduate, he was awarded USA Today's 2007 Academic All-American First Team honors. He studied for a master's in public health from the University of Oxford as the 2007 Joseph L. Albritton Scholar. David earned his MD from the Raymond and Ruth Perlman School of Medicine at the University of Pennsylvania and his MBA from the Wharton School. At Wharton, he was the Irwin D. Mandel Fellow and recipient of the Williams-Kissick Scholarship, Joseph Wharton Award, and Eilers Healthcare Management Award. Before CDCN, David co-founded the National Students of AMF Support Network, a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting college students grieving the illness or death of a loved one. David, it's a pleasure to have you with us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me today, Holly.
0: Did you have any experiences growing up that led to your decision to pursue science and medicine?
1: Yes. Uh, Growing up, I always was very interested in exercise and health and prevention, and I went to undergrad at Georgetown with the idea that um, I would do sports medicine uh, and I would study health and nutrition, but... Just a couple of weeks um, before my freshman year began, my mom was diagnosed with brain cancer, and that really refocused me um, uh, because of how difficult it was to see what she went through with cancer. It focused me on wanting to actually attack cancer and to actually pursue hematology, oncology instead of um, general health uh, and wellness medicine.
0: You have an extensive educational background, including several degrees. What inspired this?
1: So uh, I knew I wanted to become a doctor during college, as I mentioned, um, when my mom became ill with cancer, and I decided to focus on on cancer and taking down the disease. Uh, In order to do that, I felt like I really needed to go to medical school um, to be able to treat patients and advance research. So I knew I wanted to go to medical school, um, but before I went to medical school, I uh, received a fellowship. Um, I was accepted for a fellowship to study at Oxford and to study cancer prevention at Oxford, and I was really excited by the opportunity uh, to look at a big from a big picture level at how do you um, how do you use public health or, or population level interventions to really uh, make an impact against cancer. Um, so it made sense to do that, and then of course I, I went to medical school, and in medical school I observed as I conducted Castleman disease research that the greatest hurdles in the way of progress for biomedical research are actually business problems. So there are issues with people not collaborating, the issues of poor overarching strategies, uh, inefficient use of funding, inefficient use of tissue samples. And these actually have nothing to do with science or technology. They're really all business problems. They're managerial problems. So that's what then drove me to do uh, my fourth degree, which was um, the MBA at Warden.
0: It's fascinating to hear you describe these real-world experiences you gained as a student sort of outside and beyond the classroom. I'm wondering how your time as a student ultimately contributed or led to your co-founding Cienne.
1: For the exact same reason that um, that I wanted to do the MBA and to establish or wanted to do the MBA to pick up the skills needed to um, to overcome those hurdles in biomedical research was, was the same reason that I wanted and I decided to found the CECN. So the CECN, the Castleman Disease Collaborative Network, as you shared during the intro, is dedicated to overcoming the hurdles in biomedical research to accelerate research for Castleman Disease. And so we built a global community of physicians and researchers. We had the community prioritize research. And now we're recruiting the top physicians and researchers from around the world to conduct our priority studies. And this kind of, um, I guess, systematic approach or collaborative approach, uh, has been able to make a, a lot of progress for Castleman disease. And I would, I would have to say that, that my training and my MBA really helped to mold and shape, um, the direction that we took the CDCN.
0: I provide a very basic description, but could you talk a little bit more about Castleman disease, what it is, and what are the symptoms in the course of the disease that patients may face?
1: Sure. So, Castleman disease uh, is a fairly wide-ranging disease. Some patients will present with a single enlarged lymph node and flu-like symptoms, whereas other patients on the other end of the spectrum will present with enlarged lymph nodes throughout their body and complete multiple organ system failure, so every organ shutting down. And, of course, there are patients all throughout the gamut of that spectrum, so from flu-like symptoms to sepsis-like organ failure. And at the heart of Castleman disease, even um, all the way across the spectrum, is an activated immune system that releases proteins called cytokines, and those proteins um, cause organs to shut down. So what we're trying to figure out is what is it that turns on the immune system in the first place and how do we stop it? So Castleman disease, as I said, is a wide ranging disorder. Castleman disease uh, is about as common as ALS. There are about 5,000 new cases a year in the U.S. And the most common subtype, multicenter Castleman disease, is about as deadly or slightly more deadly than lymphoma. So most people know about flu-like symptoms. They know how common ALS is, and they know how deadly lymphoma is. So I think it's helpful to to talk about Castleman's in relation to those diseases.
0: What methods and treatments are now available for addressing Castleman disease?
1: Um, So really exciting news. uh, About a year, a little over a year ago, uh, the Castleman disease community got its first ever FDA-approved therapy. So for the first time ever, there's an approved treatment for Castleman disease called siltuximab. Uh, and it's a targeted therapy with very low side effects, and it's very effective. Um, I was fortunate I got to actually serve on the um, advisory board for the development of that drug. Uh, so that drug is now available. Uh, what we're also doing is trying to still understand what is it that actually causes the immune system to get activated, what other proteins are being released by the immune system, with the the, the main reason being that the drug I just mentioned, siltuximab, is only approved for one of the three types of subtypes of Castleman disease. It's only approved for HHV8 negative MCD. Uh, and it's only effective in a portion of those patients. So we are trying to understand what is it that causes the immune system to become activated so that we can identify additional therapies that will work for those patients who don't respond and also for the other subtypes of Castleman disease that the drug is not approved for. And I would say that the progress that's been made in that realm is pretty exciting as well. Uh, when I uh, first began conducting Castleman disease research about three years ago, I, um, the, the medical field really believed that Castleman disease was a disease at the lymph nodes um, as opposed to a disease at the immune system. And the reason that's really important is that we thought it was a lymph node disease, um, chemotherapy was really believed to be the only option. You need to kill and and destroy the lymph node cells. Um, But now that we think about this as an immune cell or an immune system disorder, there are a whole host of drugs that target the immune system and suppress the immune system. So as we learn more and more about how the disease works, there actually may be drugs that are already approved for other diseases, for autoimmune diseases, for transplant rejection, that actually may be very effective for calcium disease patients um, that don't currently have an effective therapy.
0: Well, it's inspiring that it sounds like there's a very clear and hopeful path for the future.
1: That's exactly right.
0: David, how has your experience been working to cure and research and better understand a disease that you yourself have?
1: It's um, hard to describe um, what it's like. I, As you know, I've done a lot of training. I, I've done... Uh, 11 years of, um, of higher education. Uh, and amazingly, all of that training, um, really has prepared me, um, for the work that I'm doing right now, um, which is to save my life and the thousands of lives of of other patients with my disease. Um, so you can imagine it's, uh, um, it's the ultimate, uh, it's the ultimate challenge to, um, to go into a profession where, um, your life is on the line and the success of your, of your academic and your career, um, actually your life depends on it and the lives of thousands of people that I've gotten a chance to meet. Many of them, um, are also hoping that our work will help to cure them and save their lives. Um, so it's the ultimate challenge, um, but it also is the most rewarding, uh, and the most incredible thing, um, to be able to be a part of a team where we are all working together day and night to solve this disorder.
0: When and how did you decide to co-found CDCN?
1: I decided at the beginning of my fourth year of medical school. uh, I became sick in my second year of medical school um, and spent about six months in the hospital and uh, was on medical leave for about a year. And when I returned to medical school, um, I had this sense or this feeling that um, other people were doing Castleman disease research, and um, I'm sure they'll figure it out. I can go back to my life focusing on AMF. Uh, and I think that's a feeling that most of us have is just a general confidence in the medical research system that they're working as fast as they possibly can. Um, but it wasn't until I relapsed about a year later in, in the end of my third year of medical school um, that I realized that and, and I observed that there were so many hurdles in the way of progress for rare disease research. And that I, um, just as a, as a third-year medical student, could actually really make a major difference in the way that this disease is researched and treated. And uh, and I realized that um, it, there's actually a, a famous uh, Steve Jobs quote where he talks about how there's a point in his life where he realized that everything around him was just made by people no smarter than him and that he could create and he could change things. And I think I had a similar moment when I realized that The work being done for Castleman disease was being done by by people with the same amount of training as me um, and that maybe weren't actually even looking at it um, with the same lens that I would have brought to it, which is as a patient. And so that's when I had the aha moment where I realized that I had a real opportunity um, to help extend my own life and hopefully the lives of a lot of other patients.
0: You talked a bit before about working to better understand the immune system and researching drugs that already exist, how they may be able to treat Castleman disease. What type of work is CDCN pursuing in terms of research and better understanding Castleman disease?
1: That's a good question. So right now we have five studies that are currently being conducted or that we already have data back from. And each of these studies is targeting one aspect of the model that we're using for how we think about the disease. So um, so two of the studies are looking at what is it that triggers the immune system in the first place? Um, is it a genetic defect that makes someone susceptible? Is there some sort of virus or pathogen that's turning on the immune system? So that's the first tier of studies. Um, the next tier is looking to figure out what are the cells in the immune system that are actually causing the problems and what has gone wrong inside those cells. And so we've got another two studies that are specifically looking at identifying and characterizing what are the problem immune cells in Castleman disease. And then the third tier, um, which is our fifth study, is a study that's actually measuring the proteins in the blood of Castleman disease patients, and it's comparing the, the levels of those proteins when patients are sick to when they're healthy, and also comparing them to healthy controls. And what we hope to do with this this third tier or the fifth study I mentioned is to identify what are those proteins in the blood that are released by immune cells and that are causing these organs to shut down. Because those proteins may actually unlock what it is that causes this whole problem. And there actually may be a drug that already exists that targets those very proteins. Because as I mentioned before, um, there have been decades worth of drug development for autoimmune diseases and also for transplant rejection drugs. So there are a host of drugs that are available available. We need to figure out what it is that's the problem, and um, and the first thing we'll do is look to see what already exists, which is a bit different from the typical um, biotech approach, which, of course, is you want to find the problem, but then you want to develop a drug um, to solve it. In our case, we don't want to develop a new drug. That takes too long and too many resources. Um, Ideally, we want to deploy a drug that already exists.
0: That's really interesting. This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world. From the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions, Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, and presented by Art Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange. now return to our Engelwey interview with Associate Director of Communications Holly Camisa and Dr. David Fagenbaum, Executive Director and Co-Founder of the Castleman Disease Collaborative Network. How did you come to found CDCN's team and what is it like to work collaboratively to try to tackle such a tremendous problem?
1: Assembling the team has been um, has been a lot of hard work and it's been tough Um, we have an incredible team Uh, we right now have 28 scientific advisory board members from all over the world Japan, New Zealand, France, UK, uh, all over the U.S., really uh, an incredible team that helps to set the vision or does set the vision for the organization. And then we have a 35-member leadership team. And so these are 35 team members um, with backgrounds ranging from um, being physicians to being MD-PhDs to being business school students um, that are all helping in, in, in their own unique ways. And so it was difficult to assemble that team because we've had to find really motivated folks that have some sort of connection to Castleman disease. Um, But uh, we have assembled a great team and and we're able to make really exciting progress thanks to um, both the great advisory board and also our leadership team.
0: What progress have you seen in the field of Castleman disease because of CDCN's work?
1: Sure. So when I was first diagnosed in 2012, I mentioned this Briefly before, but we used to think that lymph node tumors caused the problem. Lymph node tumors turned on the immune system. The research I did and published uh, in my last year of medical school actually uh, proposes an entirely new model where it's not that the lymph node tumors turn on the immune system, it's actually the immune system that causes the lymph nodes to grow. And that is extremely important because before, as I said, We needed chemotherapy to kill the lymph node tumors. Now that we think about it as actually immune system turning on the lymph node enlargement, now we can start thinking about targeting the immune system with immunosuppression. And that is a major breakthrough, um, both in the way that we research the disease, because now it has uncovered a whole slew of additional studies that can be done, but it also um, will change the way the disease is treated, because rather than just thinking chemotherapy um, or cytokine-targeted therapy were the only options, Now we can consider a whole host of immunosuppressants.
0: What partnerships does CDCN hold and how do they work?
1: Yeah, so we've partnered um, with academic institutions and also with pharmaceutical companies, uh, specifically UPenn's Orphan Disease Center, uh, which I'm affiliated with. Um, We're actually uh, putting together a matching grant program right now where CDCN puts up half the money. Orphan Disease Center puts up the other half, and then we have an expert group that actually determines where the money will go. Um, we also have worked very closely with Janssen Pharmaceuticals. I mentioned that they uh, have developed the first and only FDA-approved therapy, um, which has been a major breakthrough for the field, the probably the biggest breakthrough that we've ever had. So we've worked very closely with them to hold meetings, to educate physicians about Castleman disease, and we're also uh, currently working on a couple collaborative research projects that we're really excited about.
0: What is CDCN's approach to handling patients and their families and those more sort of personal interactions?
1: When we first set out, we consider ourselves a research network. So we were here in our minds just to accelerate research, and we felt like we would help patients by advancing treatments for patients. Uh, What we quickly figured out and realized was that actually um, a lot of patients between the, between now and the time we cure the disease, a lot of patients are going to struggle with the disease and a lot of patients are struggling with the disease and they need help. They need support. They need referrals to physicians. Um, so very quickly we changed and we said we're not a research network. We're a collaborative network. Research is a big part of what we do. But we also are here to support patients and to help to give them referrals to experts around the world to help answer questions about the disease and to just be there for them. And so we have a really great uh, patient engagement team that's actually led by a patient, Raj himself. And, And so we set them up for referrals, we connect them with other patients, and we give them the information that they need.
0: David, you touched on this a little bit earlier, but how has your experience been handling patients and just talking to patients who also have Castleman disease and also serving as a representative and a voice for them?
1: It has been um, incredibly important to me. I've um, I've felt so touched to be able to be to have so many other patients and loved ones share with me about their personal battles. I uh, probably the, the the one that maybe uh, are the two that really um, tug on my heart the most and just drive me forward even more and focus me even more is a little three-year-old girl in Dallas, Texas, or just south of Dallas, Texas, um, who right now is struggling with Castleman disease. She um, uh, has been sick ever since just before her second birthday, and um, the doctors are having a hard time figuring out what therapy works for her, and they haven't found one yet. And uh, that breaks my heart. There are there are children around the U.S. battling this disease, um, and we don't have a solution yet. And so it breaks my heart, and it focuses me um, more and more on how do we figure this disease out. I, I also mentioned that there's a 13-year-old girl who passed away a year ago at Mass General, um, Harvard's teaching hospital from Castleman Disease, and um, uh, that breaks my heart just as much or, or more than than our, our three-year-old in Dallas because um, this is a young person who had her whole life ahead of her, Um, But this disease took it from her. And so uh, I see what we're doing as um, essentially acting like detectives and trying to figure out this disease that has taken other people's lives. Um, And it leaves clues. Every single patient that's diagnosed with Castleman disease, every blood sample, every lymph node sample has information about the disease. And uh, using the detective analogy, it's our job to get as many of those samples as we can so that we can do the analyses needed so we can understand this disease and so that we can take it out.
0: You have such a strong personal connection with this, and these types of stories seem like the absolute strongest motivator that you can face in terms of moving forward and researching and finding a cure for Castleman disease. What role does empathy play in forming and implementing CDCN's approach?
1: Oh, a major role. So um, the, uh, the concept and the terms, we get it is uh, is actually um, so important um, when you're dealing with difficult situations, whether it's the diagnosis with a rare disease or whether it's losing a close loved one. Being able to connect with people who get what you're going through, who can be empathetic, who can empathize with your struggles, um, is one of the most important ways that you can get through tough times. Uh, of course, family and friends are crucial, um, but just as important, our family and friends that have gone through a similar experience or someone who maybe you didn't know that has gone through a similar experience. Uh, And and actually you mentioned earlier um, AMF, uh, the support network I started while I was in college for grieving college students. Um, I I wanted to share one update and that I, I actually just in June um finished a book for grieving college students and the reason I bring it up is because the title for that book is actually We Get it. it. it's it's We Get It. Uh this idea of being there for others, empathizing for others. Um and now that book's available um around the world.
0: In addition to empathetically dealing with patients, you also have to look outside of C D C N and do some fundraising work. How has your experience been with that?
1: So I found, um, you know, fundraising in my in my mind is kind of a necessary evil. I, I call it an evil because I would rather spend all of my time on research and doing research and collaborating and driving science forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the last few years, uh, it's become abundantly clear that you cannot do the research that you want to do um, unless you have the funding that you need. So, um, so more recently, I've been shifting a bit of my focus towards fundraising um, because I realized that. I can't get the research done um, at the best hospital in the world if we don't have the funding to pay for the materials and, and the, the solutions needed for the research. So um, so that's become a, a more of a focus for me.
0: What challenges have you faced in working for CDCN and how have you been able to overcome them?
1: I think probably our biggest challenge is that uh, we spend every dollar we raise on either research studies or programming to enable research. So we're um, we spent over a quarter million dollars this year on research, and we spent zero dollars on staff, um, which is uh, completely unheard of in the nonprofit space. I mentioned we have a 30-member leadership team. Every single one of us is unpaid, um, which is, again, completely unheard of to have an organization that's, that's moving at this kind of pace uh, without any paid staff. So you can imagine that though we have an incredibly talented team making great progress, it's challenging to have a team where no one is actually paid and where everyone has something else they're doing full-time. So it's a challenge to make sure that we get the work done we need to do. Um, And for me, I I do a lot of supporting, encouraging, and also um, taking the baton when others can't carry it across the finish line um, because they have other priorities. Uh, So I'd say that's the biggest challenge is um, delivering a quarter million dollar research budget with a zero dollar staff budget.
0: What advice do you offer to those suffering with castleming or any other life-altering disease?
1: My advice would be that it's important to find other people you can turn to for support. I think that's, that's crucial, finding others who've gone through the same thing. I think it's also important for each of us to realize um, that we actually each have an opportunity to change the way that research is done and to change the way our own personal outcomes Uh, Regardless of what our backgrounds are, uh, we have people from all walks of life that are part of the CDCN um, that volunteer their time and their time actually makes a real difference. In aggregate, we're going to change the life expectancy for this disorder just from a bunch of volunteers, patients and loved ones getting together. And so I think it's important to know that, that you can do that, that um, in my case, I was given a death sentence. I had my last rights read to me back in November of 2010, and the disease that I have is undoubtedly a death sentence. Um, but I, I am working together with an incredible group of people, uh, and we're extending the time to that death sentence. And and I truly believe that we can change, change that, and we can make this a disease that's manageable and chronic. And we as patients can do that. It it doesn't, you don't need to wait and hope and pray that someone else does it. You can do it.
0: It seems like you have a very positive and forward thinking approach to things. My final question for you today is what advice you would offer to other young people who are seeking to start their own organizations or foundations?
1: I think, um, uh, one important thing uh, to keep in mind, uh, so I've now started two of these social um, initiatives over the last 10 years. And um, I think it's really important before a young person starts a foundation um, to spend time looking around at what foundations currently exist. There's actually um, quite a bit of redundancy in the nonprofit space. And actually, when I started the CDCN, um, I very quickly found that there is another organization in the castle the space called Castleman's Awareness and Research Effort and rather than having a competing organization we actually merged within a couple months of creating the CDCN i think that's an important lesson for a lot of young people is we are very ambitious in, this, in the same advice I gave earlier, which is you can, change, um, you can change the world. I think it's important to remember that there are other people currently working to change the world and that the more we can do to team up with other people, um, the better off that we'll all be. So spend some time looking to see what are other people doing? How can I contribute to what they're doing before saying I want to create something separate on my own?
0: David, thank you for being our guest today. The best way to reach David and to support the Castleman Disease Collaborative Network is through CDCN.org. Click on the webpage links above this podcast.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Holly. It was a pleasure to chat with you. And uh, I hope that anyone listening will consider either joining the CDCN, potentially in a volunteer role, or contributing financially to our research. Because once we knock out Castleman Disease, Uh, We're going to try to apply this approach to many more rare diseases.
0: Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.